Welcome to the Retirement Plan Playbook with Brent Pasqua, Matthew Thiel, and Joshua Winterswijk from RPA Wealth Management. In this podcast, we cover current events, retirement planning strategies, and provide you with the tools to help you build a successful retirement playbook in any political or financial landscape. Join Brent, Matthew, and Joshua as they navigate the issues that can make the later stages of your retirement plan challenging and help you create the best retirement plan playbook. Now, let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to the Retirement Plan Playbook with Brent Pasqua, Matthew Thiel, and Joshua Winterswike from RPA Wealth Management. Gentlemen, how are you today? Doing great. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm excited to have you here with us. Me too. Ready? I am. I'm thrilled. You guys have brought me on for uh, just a, a couple podcasts to kind of hang out with you and get to know you and let the audience get to know you. Now, you guys are no you know slouches when it comes to podcasting. You've done this before a lot. Yeah, we have some experience doing this. I think, did we start the show in 2020 or 2019, Josh? I think it was 19. Yeah, 19. Right on. Okay. Well, yeah. So I'm I'm just coming in. I'm actually going to be learning from you guys because you guys are the pros. Uh, but this is an opportunity for the audience to get to know you that maybe they haven't heard your podcast before. And this is really a, a, a relaunch or just a, a brand new take on this. I'm excited about what you're going to be covering and what you're putting out every you know couple of weeks. Um, so let's get started. I want to ask just some basic history questions and then some personal questions. Is that okay with you guys? Sounds great. All right. Well, let's start with you, Brent. How did you get started in this industry? So when I was finishing college, uh, back in 2004, I, at that time, didn't know what I wanted to do when I graduated and, um, had found out around a similar time that my grandparents were actually taken advantage of by a financial advisor. Oh, geez. They had an advisor that they had worked with for many years, and that advisor started putting them into um, commission-based products, started selling them a bunch of annuities and commission-based mutual funds. And we always knew that there was something better that they could be doing. And uh, during a couple of market downturns, everything kind of really turned down for them, and it wasn't working. The trajectory that they were on Mm. Uh, was going to be running out of money. And so I knew that there could be better things that they were doing. I knew that there was better things for people. And uh, that motivated me to really start helping people in this way. Yeah, that's that's so frustrating. I, I hope that the outcome was better uh, than, than where they started uh, with that, you know, that I'm not going to call names on this podcast, but <laughs> that other advisor. Um, and I'm glad it was the catalyst that brought you to this point. So that's great. Matt, what Let's about you? Just to say I became the, the favorite grandson. I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> the fair haired child. All right. Yes. All right. Matt, what yeah. about you? Yeah. So I got my start um, actually during high school. And mm-hmm. you're working a, a high school job. It's part time, usually on the weekends. And you're making money. And you really don't know what to do with it. And so I started researching the stock market. This was in 2003. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And Mm. I knew that I wanted to have my career be in the stock market in some way or the other. Um, So I studied finance in college. And then after I graduated college um, with a finance degree, I moved to New York City to to get a job on Wall Street. But there's a massive problem when I graduated college is... I graduated in 2008 and that oh, was probably one of the worst times to ever get a job on wall street. Yeah. Um, so Lehman brothers had just gone bankrupt. It was October 08. 
luckily I found a, a job as a financial journalist. So I was working for a financial website, um, doing research on companies, doing research on the market and, um, writing articles. And I did that for about three years and I eventually got sick and tired of the New York winters. I mean, they're cold. I think, uh, Eric, you're up in, you're up in the Northwest, right? I'm, I'm in Nebraska, but it's freezing. So yeah, I get it. Yeah. I'm a California boy. I, I can't do winters. <laughs> no more flip flops. Yeah. Yeah. No more flip flops. So I, I moved back after three years to California and I was jobless. Um, I, I applied for a job at every single financial company in Los Angeles and none of them wanted to hire me. I, I guess I was just like unhirable for some reason. Not sure what it was. Um, but luckily I knew this guy named Brent and he felt so bad for me <laughs> and he, he was an advisor and he brought me in. He said, like, Hey, you know, you might be good as an advisor. Why don't you come help out around, around the company I work for and we'll see where it goes. And lo and behold, I'm still here working with them and, uh, I'm a financial advisor now. See, I made him go interview a lot before I even considered bringing him in. I, I made him get his, uh, sweat and tears out there getting, all those interviews in and getting rejected. And then once I felt bad for him, then I you know, extended the offer. <laughs> Wait till he's beat up a bit. <laughs> yeah. I interviewed at every financial company in Los Angeles or Orange County. They all rejected me. Was Man. he saying finance before he left? And then he started to say finance when he came back from New York? Yes. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Finance is a New once York he, thing. Once he thought out. <laughs> once he thought out. You said it. You're like, this. that was the worst time to get a job. And, and I look at it a little differently, uh, and I know that was tough on you because the, the path that you ended up having to take, but I loved 08 and 09 for the fact that we needed fresh blood. We needed fresh faces in this industry because the old way wasn't working, and that's why it broke. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. I'm not speaking for anybody else on this podcast, but I'm glad you got into it. I'm glad that you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that Brent made you crawl a little bit, you know, for that job because, <laughs> uh, you know, skinned up knees teach us a lot, doesn't it? So, yeah. Absolutely. And coming up through that 08 re recession, that'll, that'll teach you how to not only um, stay calm in markets, but it'll help you um, keep clients calm and help them invest their money as well. Absolutely. I'm glad you got into it too, Matt. Yeah. Thanks, Brent. <laughs> Most days. <laughs> Most days. Josh, how about you? So, yeah, I um, in high school up until my senior year, I thought I wanted to go into the medical field. My mom uh, was a registered nurse and just was around the hospital because of her and hearing her stories. And then I took a high took my high school senior economics class, and I just absolutely loved my teacher. He uh, he loved my favorite soccer team, Manchester United, um, and we just he was my favorite teacher all through high school. Probably one of my favorite teachers, even just kind of all through school. But um, High school economics really just opened up my world. I, it clicked with me. Everything we were learning about, I had interest in. It promoted me to pick up even more economic and stock market books after that class. Um, and then that really guided me into a finance degree um, in college. Uh, and so ever since then, I've just, that has been my focus and, and interest and I love it. At the same time as Matt though, I graduated in 2010, wasn't a great time to, to get a finance job. And uh, I got a, a bank teller job at Citibank. My cousin actually worked there and he was an advisor. Mm -hmm. So he mentored me a little bit, kind of moved up the ranks there, but um, through high school and through even my kind of tender at, at Citibank, I had always been uh, close with Brent. He was a, a mentor to me. He watched over me and I went to him with 
just personal career questions and we always kept in contact and as my Citibank career was plateauing a little and, and not going in the complete direction I wanted to, Brent and I continued to discuss and he had just uh, started RPA Wealth Management and uh, we made a match. He, uh, he brought me into RPA Wealth Management, which uh, just really excited about then and since then got my CFP and, and really have just enjoyed every second with working with clients and working at RPA. You know what's funny, Josh, is I've known you since the end of high school, early college days, and I didn't really know you were in economics and finance. Uh, I probably would have liked you a little bit more, and we would have got along a little bit better in those early days if we would have known that. You'd probably, uh, you probably, you just had to ask, man. I'm surprised <laughs> you didn't know. But we, we also didn't go to the same college, and a lot of the stuff that we did really wasn't career conversation. That's true. We were crossing paths in different areas. Yeah. And, and Josh wasn't a pity hire either. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask if Josh had any hazing going on uh, during his hiring no. process. No, no, we we wanted to bring him in. Oh, so good. We were sure. excited to have him. Josh is our corporate employee. He's our most most corporate guy. Yeah, I, I was at Citibank for I think almost like seven years, and and so it was a good learning experience. But yeah, I got that very corporate experience at Citigroup. Yeah, have they trained that the out of you yet? When he came in. <laughs> I said, what are you guys doing? Yeah. It's like the wild, wild west over here. <laughs> we're going to break this new guy. <laughs> we're, we're, we're taking this policy and procedures manual, marking it up with a Sharpie. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, as the guys mentioned, Brent, you created uh, RPA Wealth Management. Why did you do that? What led you to do that? So the firm I was at previously um, was really starting to focus on um, selling just basically a few different types of products. And um, I was there for a number of years, but it then started to get where clients needed really advanced financial planning. And so many things were changing during that time. And the firm really wasn't adopting any of the new technology that was out there. They weren't advancing in financial planning. Um, they weren't really giving clients what they needed. And I started to feel like what I was going to be giving clients was similar to the experience that my grandparents had with their previous advisor. And I knew that that wasn't a path that I would ever want to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt as technology was advancing, that there was better ways to do things. And so Matthew and I had multiple discussions about the things that we could be adding and the things that we could be doing. And it and at the other firm, it, you know, it started to get like the solution was all the same for every client. And we knew every client was so different with so many different needs and it's so many different stages of their life. And so that we just had to make the decision. It, it was time to take that, that leap and that chance. And so we launched RPA in 2013 and we hit the ground running and, and have literally never looked back. Yeah, I think it's important, too, to mention when you said the products that that other firm wanted you to sell. I mean, they're all commission-based products that unfortunately weren't putting the client's best interest first, Mm -hmm. right? And you sought out, you wanted to be a a true fiduciary for your clients, just just like you were for your grandparents. Uh, I think that's really important. Well, you brought it up, so now I've got to ask for the audience's sake. Somebody give me the definition of fiduciary, please, real quick. Yeah, so basically a fiduciary is when you put your client's interests above your own. You're putting um, their gain above your own personal gain. Because, I mean, in the investment industry, you can make so much money. You're at one of those 
big firms, I'm talking high six figures, low seven figures um, in income per year if you're doing commission-based products. But the problem is they're just not good for the clients. The clients are getting ripped off. Yeah. And that's what attracted me to RPA. I mean, just the, the numerous conversations I had with Brent while I was still at Citigroup was every client that walked in the to the door basically got the same thing while they were leaving. And and that's not what I thought was financial planning. Um, so just to kind of piggyback on the firm and, and it being built, that's what attracted me to RPA. I, I've met probably hundreds or even thousands of advisors in my career. I've never heard an advisor say they weren't in a fiduciary, but very fewly do I ever actually meet advisors that are true fiduciaries. Mm -hmm. They all say it's a good buzz, buzzword. Yeah, it's a buzzword, but it, the, the, uh, common person doesn't realize that you guys are held accountable to that. I mean, it's almost Correct. by law that you have to do that. You have to put your client's needs first um, or else you can lose licenses and things. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. So that I, I think that that's very important to point out um, because it does set you apart from, you know, the salespeople of the world. Um, Brent, I want to come back to you because again, you, you know, you did found RPA. Uh, I want to ask you, what do you do for your clients? So, and what's different about us um, and what we do for our clients is we give people really the confidence to retire. Um, we begin by organizing really their financial life. And most people do not have a strategy built around really any aspect or every aspect of their financial life. We essentially organize that, we prioritize a person's goals, and then we help them um, solve them in the most strategic way possible. When we look at a person's financial plan, we believe that a person's financial life should have a strategy built around every aspect of it, that nothing's going unaccounted for. And what that begins to do is the numbers don't lie when you do financial planning. Mm -hmm. And you can run so many scenarios once the financial plan is built out on not just the what ifs, but let's say a person wants to move from one state to the other and how that may impact them, or if they're gonna spend less money in a couple of years of their life, or they're gonna spend more money. All of that data can be ran, and we can help the clients feel comfortable either where they're at in their financial life or making that transition into retirement. Our whole goal is really just to make the clients feel, feel comfortable mm -hmm. and gain that confidence they need to move on to that next chapter of their life. And we do that by using um, financial planning techniques. It's, it's really quite simple. Just a personal trainer would help you accomplish your fitness goals. Yeah, well said, Matt. And I think clarity is one of the you know, words that pops into my mind. Really helping someone you know, look into the future and to provide them that clarity is, is really such a great feeling and a great peace of mind for clients. Yeah, I, I appreciate all the things that you've shared so far. Uh, one thing, I just want to go back to something that was said earlier. Um, Brent, you really spoke about that there were better ways. One of the reasons you founded RPA is because where you were at, there was, they just weren't keeping up with the times, if you will. They weren't as, as modern as what right. you wanted to be and where you're at right now. And, and we haven't spoken a whole lot before this podcast and a few times offline, but I've been a business coaching consultant for financial advisors for over a decade. And it was always a red flag because I would help them in all sorts of areas. And one of the things I would help just disseminate is I'd look at their marketing and you don't you'd be surprised at how many of these advisors were spending a good amount of some marketing budget on yellow page ad, ads still. And I'm like, Oh, if they're, if they're still spending money on yellow page ads compared to other types of modern marketing, what are they doing behind the scenes for modern thoughts and processes for their right. clients? And it was always abysmal. Um, it was just, it was a huge red flag for me. So 
I appreciate that you took that stance because there are better ways. There are more modern ways. And that sounds exactly what you guys are like you're doing at RPA. So thank you for that. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Matt, I'm going to come to you now real quick. Who is your ideal client for RPA? So we love working with clients who are, who are getting ready to retire, um, but they really need that, that extra push. They want that confidence. They want that clarity. They want that peace of mind to know that they're not going to have to go back to work, that they can retire and spend the time traveling, spend the time with their grandkids, do whatever it is they want to do for the next you know 20 to 30 years of their time on this earth. So typically we work best with people who are in their 50s to 60s who have probably been saving in their 401ks, their 403bs, their IRAs for 20 to 30 years. And maybe they've had a few jobs, maybe they've worked the same job, um, but they're ready for that next chapter of life. They want to take that step. um, They want to quote unquote, pull the plug and uh, move on, move into retirement, you know, sail into those golden years. And our job is like Brent said, we pull out their goals. We use numbers to help them achieve them. And then we create a financial plan and retirement plan and they're off and running. And we don't want them worrying about retirement. We don't want them worrying about the stock market. We don't want them worrying about inflation. We want them focusing on their goals and enjoying the, the work that they did for their whole life. Transitioning to retirement is a scary step because you want to make sure, obviously, the money you've saved is going to last the rest mm-hmm. of your life and you don't want to run out of money. But one of the things I think that we see quite often is, one, people are really, in the last several years of their job, they're really not that happy. They're not enjoying doing it. And then the other thing is, when we do do financial planning with them, we see they really could have retired a few years before that. Like Hmm. They had enough money to retire, but they worked a little bit longer just to kind of give themselves that extra uh, either savings or they just didn't know. And a lot of times it is, they just don't know. But had they done planning earlier, they would have retired earlier. Um, And I think people just work longer when they don't have to. Yeah, and and what both of you guys to me are saying too is is really painting the picture of financial freedom for that client or helping them achieve financial freedom. But once you see that picture, like you said, Brent, you can feel more confident, more comfortable, potentially could even retire sooner. Um, And I think this is, it's so valuable for clients. Yeah, I, there is no price. Well, actually, there is just because I, I just bought a new bed uh, and it was very expensive, but there's no price on a good night's sleep. That, that's right. what you guys are describing to me is that once once somebody understands what their trajectory is, whether that's I can retire sooner than I thought or I'm going to retire exactly when I thought or, oh, man, I'm probably going to have to work one extra year to be able to retire the way I want to. At least knowing is so much better than not knowing. Right. Because you just don't know. And then it's just like, oh, man, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? And if you guys can answer that just by and and I'd love to talk to you more about how your process works on another podcast. But if you can answer that question, man, then it's it's kind of a joy to go into work going. Yeah, I got three years left. (laughs) That's it. I'm out. You know, so I, I think that's I think that's a fantastic thing that you guys do and provide. All right, Josh, earlier you said you have a CFP, correct? That's correct. Okay, so I want two things from you. Number one, I'd love for you to, to describe what a CFP is because audience, I'm going to tell you right now, there, there's, there is a website called Investopedia, and if you were to go there and look up the designation CFP, you will find out it is one of the most difficult and most arduous 
designations that somebody can get. It is a lot of studying. And so I'm, I'm, I want, uh, Josh, I would love for you to describe it. And then any other advanced education or designations that you've got. Yeah, absolutely. I'll kind of speak on behalf of our team. So currently everyone on our team, so Brent, Matt, and, and myself all hold degrees in finance. And we also hold our Series 65 license, which is an investment advisor representative license that allows us to, to manage clients' portfolios. Um, we also have over 50 years of experience in financial services. So we all kind of talked about how we got started in the industry, uh, but a lot of years here put in uh, to develop you know, our process and what we're doing here today. Um, and then just to talk about the, the CFP. So it is a certified financial planner designation or certificate. And um, you do go through not only a education requirement, so um, you do have to have a four-year degree, uh, and then you can enter into the education for the CFP before you actually sit for your test. Uh, and once you go through that, you learn everything from investment management to retirement planning, insurance. And it is, like you said, a rigorous uh, education process uh, and a stressful process mm -hmm. to pass that test and to get that um, CFP designation. Matt and I both hold that designation, um, the certified financial planner. Uh, and it really just helps you mold and understand the art of financial planning uh, because it really isn't a product. It is a process. And, and to put that process together allows us to better create plans. It allows us to better engage with our clients, understanding and, and really provide them with that goal-based output um, and, and really again it, it is it is priceless when it comes to adding value to to clients financial planning it's table stakes right to be in this industry to be working with clients to uh be calling yourself a financial planner a financial advisor i mean if you don't have the if you're not a cfp i mean you're not a financial planner it's, it's simple it's like trying to call yourself a doctor and not have a medical degree right although some people do Lots of people do. <laughs> and just to add two more things, we are also members of NAFA and fee-only network. Um, so we are a fee-only investment advisory firm. I think, Brent, you could probably touch on that a little bit too. Um, but those are two organizations that are advocates for our um, what we're doing here and, and what type of investment firm we are. Yeah. Yeah, so being fee-only essentially means that anytime we're doing financial planning and doing portfolio management, Anything that we're recommending or building a strategy around in the financial plan, we don't receive any commissions based on any of those recommendations. We charge a fee for service. So when we do financial planning, we charge an a la carte fee. It's the fee for the whole service. But anytime we're giving the client a recommendation on something they need to help implement, we are not making compensation for that recommendation. And several years ago, the industry started to go in that direction where insurance or investment vehicles or products could be all provided to the client without compensation to the advisor. And what that meant to the client was, number one, they were getting something better. And number two, they were getting something cheaper. Uh, and at that point, for us, that's a no-brainer. If it's better for the client and it doesn't compensate us, then why would we give them something that's inferior just because we want to get paid? And that's why we became fee-only. That's fantastic. I, I love the parallel that was drawn between doctors and, and uh, financial advisors, because I think with this way, if, if you need a kidney, do you want to go to a neon sign in an alley to get that kidney? Or do you, you want to go to a doctor that's going to help you out for real? Or you know, if you need financial advice, do you want to just talk to somebody who's great at Sudoku puzzles? Or 
do you want a CFP? And I, I think it's right. kind of a no brainer when people understand what that is and understand what fee only is and how that works and how you continue to have the best interest of your clients in mind. Um, I, yeah, I just think people need to get educated. And I love the fact that you guys are doing this podcast for that exact reason. Absolutely. All right. So we've talked a lot about your history and, and education and, and stuff that you do for your clients. Can we switch gears a little bit and, and ask a couple personal questions before we uh, end this podcast? Yeah, let's have some fun. All right. So when you're not working, Brent, let's go with you. When you're not working, how do you spend your free time? So I coached my son's baseball team. My son's nice. younger and uh, enjoyed doing that. My son has been playing baseball since he was five. And so watching him grow in sports has been just a true joy. And my daughter also is in dance, gymnastics, and cheer. So we have a lot of busy days during the week and on the weekends. But when we even have free time from that, we really enjoy going to Disneyland. We spend the day there. The kids love that. It's just a, a great family day. And our favorite restaurant in all of Southern California is Javier's. Uh, it's down in Orange County. We try to get there every about month or every six weeks. It's just one of our favorite places to go. Kids love it. We love it. And it's just a great ambiance. So we have sort of our favorite restaurants, but that is definitely number one. And uh, to relieve all stress when the markets are up or down, I try to get a, a workout in at least four to five times a week and get my cardio going so I can try and stay healthy because with those young kids, I got to be around for a while. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. What's your favorite dish at Javier's? Uh, enchiladas, all believe right. it or not. Yeah. Right on. Well, my wife is Hispanic, and so I, I get that at home. And, and man, I am. you guys haven't seen me in person yet, but I'm a little rotund. You know, I'm a little bulky. <laughs> I'll be honest. 28 years of marriage to uh, somebody who can cook like that. Oh, it's fantastic. Yep. All right, Matt, what about you? Yeah, so if you would have asked me this question in 2019, my answer would have been a lot different and a lot more interesting than it's going to be right now. <laughs> but let me tell you, back then, living in Los Angeles, West Hollywood, just me and my wife, we were having a lot of fun. Um, but in 2020, our lives changed. Um, we uh, gave birth to my daughter, and she's now a toddler. Um, uh, yes. So, yeah, my, our hands are full right now. She's, you know... She's a handful when she's when she's awake. She's always doing something or wanting to do something. Um, so that's where most of my free free time is right now. And then when when we're not taking care of her, um, when I get a little personal time, um, you're gonna find me on the golf course. Uh, but that is something that was pretty rare now nowadays with yeah. uh, with a toddler. And your golf game shows that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, my I am not a good golfer. Um, I'm an average golfer, it's but I'm having fun, Matt. I play very fast. So like you I'm not going to hold your group down. All right. Um, other than that, you, you know, Josh and I both got into this. I know he's probably going to mention it, but uh, Josh got me really into soccer and him and I are season ticket holders to the LAFC team. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you know, we'll go to a couple games a year. Um, and then on, on the weekends, once the baby's asleep, you might find me and the wife opening a bottle of wine and streaming some TV. There you go. Sounds pretty good to me. All right, Josh, what about you, my man? So mine's pretty similar to Matt. He stole a lot of my thunder from what I do uh, on my free time. But me and my wife also uh, have a four-month-old at home. So we welcomed our first child into this world on awesome. in January. Probably, needless to say, most of our spare time is spent with our new baby boy. Um, but 
also love to golf. I, I do a lot of golfing with Matt as well. Um, and uh, I love soccer. I retired from playing soccer. So now I just mostly watch it on TV and go to LAFC with uh, Matt and friends and family. And uh, me and my wife love enjoying that together. And we love just going and trying new food spots and breweries. And like Matt said too, also like to enjoy a glass of wine together uh, on our nights once the baby's down. So Matt, we're, we're more alike than I thought. Yeah, we have a lot of crossover <laughs> hobbies. You're, you're better. You're a better golfer than me though. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'll, just, I'll just say you're a good golfer. Thanks man. I yeah. appreciate that. Of and Josh is better at drinking wine. Oh wait, probably, Matt, probably Matt's better also. at drinking wine. So Josh is better at golf. Matt's better at drinking wine. Is that about it? Matt likes France, French wine. I don't know. Josh, Josh is a pretty good drinker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, gentlemen, uh, before I let you go, that was really kind of my last question, but I, well, I just lied. I have one more question. Um, and I, I just would love for you to give the audience a little bit of a preview of what you guys are going to be doing on this podcast. Why did you start it? And really, what are you going to be bringing to them? So, when you when you look around all the all the various content that's out there today, and there's a ton of it, right? Um, yeah. You you could browse the internet, you could watch TV, you could listen to other podcasts. Um, not a lot of it is actually geared towards retirees, specifically with helping them understand how um, various world events, mm-hmm. um, the stock market, the bond market, um, tax law changes impacts them. So a lot of people get the financial news from CNBC and really those people on TV, they're not looking out for your best interest. Actually, they don't even care about you. They're not giving you advice. They're just on there for entertainment's sake. Um, that's all TV is. And so we wanted to create a show um, that's 100% for people who want to retire and, or are um, currently retired. And all we want to do is talk about complex topics that are going on in the stock market and the bond market, um, or talk about things like required minimum distributions, Roth conversions, um, and how it's going to impact their life, right? Their retirement. So the show is a hundred percent geared towards retirees. All right. And then, so I, I know that you guys are open to getting subject matter from your audience, right? If, if they've got questions, then their friends most likely have questions. If they want to email in a question, how do they do that? Yeah, so they could email us at info, I-N-F-O, at R-P-A, R-P-A, Ryan Paul Adam, wealth.com. All right, guys, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. And of course, the last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Retirement Plan Playbook podcast with Brent Pasqua, Matthew Thiel, and Joshua Winterswike. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when the guys come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And this makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at RPA Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Plan Playbook. Click the following button to be notified when new episodes become available. To get in touch with our team, call us at 909-296-7977 or visit our website at www.rpawealth.com to schedule a complimentary consultation. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of RPA Wealth Management. 
The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.